to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore, and today my guest is a friend of mine who I have known for a really long time, like an extraordinary long time. Um, we met when we were in grade school, and uh, her name is Nicole Majeski, and she is currently living in Mexico, which is super fun, as you can see by her background if you're watching the video. Uh, she is a mother of three young boys, and she lives in a small town on the Pacific coast of Mexico. She is a creative advocate for play and alternative education. She's passionate about nature-based and interest-led learning in early childhood, holistic health, and alternative lifestyle choices for all types of communities. She currently serves as the director of education for Entre Amigos Foundation in Nayarit, Mexico, and she hosts creative workshops for kids and adults in her community, among many other things. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks, Amiga. Hi. Uh, I love the fact that you are recording this outdoors, which is so fun for anyone who is watching the video. Um, if you are currently listening to the audio, you can go and check out our YouTube channel and watch the video of this, and you'll be able to see her fabulous tropical surroundings. Um, meanwhile, I'm here in Buffalo, New York, wearing a sweater and a scarf. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, Sorry. the... No, she's, she's got that nice uh, tropical warm weather out there. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about your story and how you ended up um, living in Mexico when you came from frosty cold Buffalo, New York? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I grew up most of my life in Buffalo, New York. My parents live there and all my family on both sides, most of them still live there. And um, we went to school together, primary school, grade school. And um I don't know. It was kind of, we were raised in a educational system, um, that really was about kind of the end result was getting to college university. Right. So that was like kind of the direction of life for most of the people around me at that time in my life. And I didn't really feel like that was the biggest end all mission for me. Um, even at a young age, I recognized that that wasn't really, um, it didn't feel satisfying to me where all my, my classmates and my friends, that was really what drove, drove them. So early on, I knew that I had bigger plans and maybe I didn't really know what they were. Of course, I wanted to be a ballerina for a while. And then I thought I was going to be, you know, a musician. And then I played music for a year and that didn't happen. And so I just didn't really feel that Buffalo was my forever home and that I was going to be in university for a hundred years. So, um, fresh 21 year old, I have an amazing friend and, and an older woman that lives in Buffalo, New York still. I won't tell you who she is or where she works because everybody will figure it out. Um, but she uh, was a dear friend of mine at the time. And her son was full-time living in Puerto Vallarta, which is a town down here on the coast where I live. And he is half American and half Mexican. And so at that time, it feels like hundreds of years ago, we became close. And he said, you know, I'm going to leave after the winter. I'm going to go um, in February to Mexico. I'm going to go back and visit family. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm in school. I'm kind of studying to be a preschool teacher, but I work at a bar and I'm paying my own rent and I kind of hate, hate it, but I don't really know what am I going to do in Mexico? Okay, let's go. I'll travel. I'm going to travel. No, I'm going to go see the pyramids. I'm going to backpack. I'm going to be like a, and I literally took a bus with a old, with a girlfriend of mine from back then and, and him. And we took a bus and we run the bus for four or five days and we landed and in Puerto Vallarta. And at that time he had made me think that we were going to this tiny little like colonial village, you know, in some back road in Mexico. And 
we get here and there's like a McDonald's and like, you know, the nightclubs and, and everybody's speaking in English. And, and I was like, Oh, this is a little, not what I was expecting. So right away we found a spot. I found a great job within six months. I had my work visa, all my papers taken care of. And my intention back then was just to see what, what I would, you know, 21, what the hell do we know? Right. So like the travel and do whatever and hang out for a while. Uh, and I stayed and I got a really great job back then. I was 23. I got a job as a wedding coordinator and, um, I made really great money and, and I did that for seven years and then um, I just stayed. And so I didn't travel around the world and see pyramids <laughs> and become a professional backpacker. I did not do that. Um, and from there, once I had that job as a wedding coordinator, I was single. I was making really great money at the time. I was traveling back and forth to the States a lot, going to wedding expos and whatever. And then I really... I was over it. I, I saw that the company I worked for was really corporate driven and it was changing a lot. It was shifting. Um, I had to wear a uniform. There was a lot of new mandatory things that I wasn't really into. And I, and I felt like I could do much more um, with what I had gained as really awesome event planning skills over the years. And, um, and I quit 1999 or no, excuse 1999, 2009. Um, and I started working for a nonprofit that was kind of a dream I had since I was a teenager. I didn't know what that meant. And so I started, I got hired at this nonprofit in the area to be the event coordinator for fundraising projects and um, coordinate volunteers and things like that. I made nothing for money. 10,000 pesos is like, shit, I don't even know, $450 at this point a month. Um, so I dropped almost, almost 60%. Um, of my income, but it was something I really wanted. And, uh, and ever since then, I've been kind of working on my own. Um, and then shortly after that, two years later, I, I decided to uh, get together with the man, my partner, the father of my children. And, um, and we started making a family right away. And yeah. And so last year, last summer is when I accepted this job. My girlfriend offered me here at where I am now to be the education director. Um, and so that was the first time I had gone back to work since I became a mom. So I, my oldest is seven. So that was really a hard transition for me, but yeah, that's, I've been here that long and, and I never, I kind of never went back in terms of like living back up North. Um, so yeah. It's funny for anyone who has like heard like bonks in the microphone, she is like swatting bugs away from her face. If you can't see that, <laughs> cause this is real life, she is outdoors recording. I, I love it. It's like, makes me feel warm that you're like sitting there in the sunshine. It's beautiful. I'm sweating. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, so when you first moved to Mexico, I mean, we all took Spanish when we were in school, but um, were you fluent in Spanish at that point? Or was it like you knew some stuff and you just kind of did a immersive crash? I, I, I mean, a little bit of both. See, I think like for me, I was really lucky because so I took Spanish as a kid in the same school, same teachers. I'll never forget. One of them was um, Dr. Jackman, right? That was yes. our Spanish teacher. Oh, best. The best. So he, I mean, he, uh, re reflecting back on the lessons, like really rocked it because a lot of what I carry with me from then served to be more useful than what I learned in advanced Spanish in high school, which is ironic. I studied Spanish through my last year. Um, in, in high school over at City Honors. So that was a huge plus um, because I had already been practicing at that point in high school. I was already writing essays and like doing um, a little bit more advanced translation stuff. So I had that under my belt. And that being said, my teacher at, 
in high school was Castilian Spanish, very formal, little old lady, um, really serious. Her accent was something that I have never heard since. So landing here with young people and kind of like a slangy, more colloquial um, group and and language, it was it was challenging in the beginning. But like I said, I I had the vocabulary a lot of, you know, numbers, verbs, a lot of that basic, how to conjugate those really important kind of big, big verbs that you use day to day. Um, And honestly, my best, best lessons and like what I believe helped me excel was um, the jobs that I had and the versatile uh, available, like vocabulary exposure. So for example, when I worked at in weddings, I had to learn Spanish kind of on the fly about because we worked where boats were. So about boating and, and like sailing and stuff like that and about ordering glasses and ordering desserts. And so all kinds of things. And of course, I, you know, I chopped it and destroyed the language millions of times over the last 18 years. But um, but uh, I definitely had a, a, a head start with what I was exposed to as a as a student at school, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. I I just I admire that you are just totally fine with saying, you know what, I'm just going to like go and live in another country where they speak another language and just like do that. <laughs> right. And I was 21. So like there's that. Right. Like if someone were to tell me to like, you know, propose that idea to me right now with three babies and like a life, I don't know if I could even move from, from one town to the other. So they're like, and I have a girlfriend, she just went to Beijing. She's, you know, she raised, she's raising her kids in China and she's originally from Denver. So, I mean, yeah, I did do it. And I recognize that probably a lot of people aren't that brave at that age, but I also recognize that being young and no responsibilities helped throw mm-hmm. me, jump off the bridge at that time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's awesome. So I'm curious about what your lifestyle is like there. I mean, obviously, like you're using Wi-Fi outdoors on your phone, but the Wi-Fi in your house was like not having it for being on Zoom right now. But um, for anyone who's looking at this video, she does not like actually live in the trees. You have a house, you know, (laughs) I'm curious how different your like day to day life is where your house is from you know, what day-to-day life is in like a typical American city suburb. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Buffalo in this, in the, on the East side in Kaiser town, um, urban, super urban my whole life, everywhere I've ever lived with my parents, it was in a city, city blocks. We never were out in the country or anything like that. Where I live right now is where, as I said, when I landed in Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta is a tourist city. It's a big city. Um, you know, that doesn't mean there's skyscrapers, but there's enormous hotels and there's an airport and all the things, um, public transportation and everything. Where I live now, um, we're about an hour and a half north of Puerto Vallarta, and it's a very small town. It's like a ranch town. Um, it's on the beach. It's on the coast. Um, I rent a house. And, you know, the reality of... Um, how do you call it? Like housing security or insecurity is in that matter is super real here. Um, we don't own a home. So just like many, anybody listening, many friends and family members in Buffalo, New York, um, how struggling to pay rent and all those things. That's super real here for us. I mean, we're definitely, we're resilient. Um, my husband and I were creative, resilient individuals. Not much can kind of, uh, bring us down, you know, perseverance, as you mentioned in the beginning, Um, And so that's a real thing. Like we definitely struggle economically. I'm working for a nonprofit, for example, he's a freelance photographer and videographer. So it is what it is. And you know, you know how real that can be. Um, 
but like day to day, it's a pretty slow life. That's kind of a thing I definitely uh, realize is that it's super relaxed in that I'm stressed out a lot because I have a lot of responsibilities, but my life in general is pretty slow. We have chickens, we have a pony, um, we have a bunch of dogs. We are really close to dirt roads and the beach. Um, and yeah, and it, and it's a lot slower paced than what I have lived um, up north. And that's real. Uh, for those of you who have noticed that Nicole's background has changed, um, we had some technical difficulties, but we are now back. She is in a different location and we are going to continue recording the show. So we are on to the part of the show where I ask all of the guests the same five questions. Dun, da, da, it's five question time. And because um, I really am interested in hearing the way that different people answer the same questions. So the first question is, tell me about an experience or a single moment that changed who you are today. That's such a good question. I, I purposely did not listen to the end of the interview so that I didn't know what these questions were. <laughs> um, so I'm not prepared, but um, a single moment that changed who I am today. Um I think probably, and I know that you probably reflect on this too, is losing my mom and watching her basically pass away um, before our eyes. That was huge and will affect me for generations to come, I'm sure. So that's definitely one of them. It's a lot, but that's the first one that popped in my mind. I hear you on that. I was certainly a different <laughs> person uh, the after that day than before that day and always will be. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Oh, I was just telling myself this a couple hours ago. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason and it will always work out. So, um, and yeah, and faced with resilience and, and hardship, economic struggle and, and frustration and being mom of many, uh, that comes up a lot. So everything happens for a reason and everything will work out okay. Cool. Okay. Number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Um, oh, that's a really good question too. Let me see. Um, I feel like over the years of different uh, kind of stages of our lives, you know, when you're young and just getting out of university or when you're um, deciding what career you want, or maybe you make a career move, a lot can feel like failure um, along the way in, in different ways, right? Macro level or enormous like life fails. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that isn't necessarily a failure per se, but it might appear to one the society or to our silly chatter. Um, I think that I made a decision to open a cafe almost two years ago here in the tiny little town I'm in. And while I loved it and it was fun and I, and I was able to get some great life experiences and drink a lot of coffee with some awesome people, I had to close because the property sold and a million other reasons on a list. And I, and I, and I feel like in the beginning when it first happened, it felt like an enormous failure based on what society feels is important in terms of success or fail. Um, and it, and it was hard and it was almost like, I mean, and, I, and I'm sure anybody listening out there can understand almost like an ego hit bigger than anything. Like 
everybody was always so supportive and, and nobody was ever like, wow, you really failed at this initiative, you know, but it definitely was like, damn, I was hoping it was going to be open for a decade. Um, but reflecting back again, it, everything happens for a reason. And it was exactly what it needed to be for me. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? On track. I'm not on track. I don't have one. (laughs) Um, Probably my like Capricornian really nerdy need to achieve and knowing um, that I like to tick it off the box. Um, Probably that's like what drives me even when I'm sleepless and penniless and just trying to get to the next thing. So uh, that probably is the saving grace. Making to-do lists? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Oh, man. Um, eh, The best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Okay. As a young mom with a new baby, I had amazing friends that threw a party for me, like a baby shower. Um, and the one thing that kept like stuck out out of all the great, you know, fluffy things people had to say about being a mom was sleep when baby sleeps, eat when baby eats and you can never go wrong. And it might sound so silly, but just sitting here and reflecting on like the best thing that like stuck with me and that like got me through those insanely intense, hard, gnarly times of a tiny baby. That was real. That's super real. And of course, million other sage uh, bits of wisdom that people have shared with me over the years. But that, for some reason, was the first one that came to mind. Um, and the best advice that I think I can give others is um, is something like, you know, este, don't, don't take it personal. Um, don't hold it with you flow, let it go, surrender, uh, know that we are not in control of pretty much anything. And the more flexible you can be on yourself, and whether that means with your own personal goals or your routine or with your, you know, your oceans, your trials and tradition, the easier the trail is going to be ahead. So I know that was like a lot of advice in one, but I think they're really important to just let it go. <laughs> I think it makes sense. So, yeah. For sure. Um, so as, yeah. as anyone watching the video can tell the, the connection in the middle, in the middle of Mexico is not always the greatest. So um, I want to make sure that we add in where everyone can find you on the interwebs. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Um, I have an Instagram and the Facebook account with the same name called the life of a strong mama all of those words together and the same for the website um www.thelifeofastrongmama.org and um and i follow papercraft miracles on their accounts if you need to find me like that if you can't figure out what i'm saying so yeah it's all kind of the same word and it's easy to find awesome. thank you yeah, yeah thanks Anita. Well, thank you so much for being on our show and um, for broadcasting from the jungle. (laughs) Um, It was a pleasure.
I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that the pandemic has given me this opportunity to really like have conversations and connect with people that I haven't really gotten to talk to quote unquote face to face in a really, really long time. So this is awesome. And I'm so happy that you could be here. Likewise. Oh, it's been awesome. As Wi-Fi can, can make happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Technology can be great sometimes. Right. But no, it was so awesome. I've been so excited to come and, and hang out and chat and I look forward to being able to do it more often. Thank yes. you, girl. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And so thanks, everybody, for checking out the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. My guest, Nicole Majewski, has been here. And if you love the show, please support us on Patreon. We have a, a Patreon page that is www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. You can become a patron on there and you get early access to the shows. And there's blooper reels and all sorts of cool things you can check out on there. And if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that would make me super, super happy. It helps us get more visibility for the show. And uh, thank you so much. And everybody have a wonderful day. Bye. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it. <laughs>